This podcast is for informational purposes only and does not constitute legal, tax, investment, financial, or other advice. It is not intended to cause or induce breach of an existing agency agreement. The goal of this podcast since day one is to provide the best information on the Vancouver real estate market at no cost to you, the listeners. To that end, we'd like to thank the following sponsors. This podcast is sponsored by Marcon, a local family-owned and managed real estate development and construction company that's been around for nearly four decades. Marcon is not only committed to high-quality construction, but it also is making a positive impact in the communities in which it builds all across the Lower Mainland. We want to highlight two incredible Marcon projects. Elmwood, a 38-story tower located at Burquitlam's most important intersection, Como Lake Avenue and Clark Road. This landmark tower will feature 335 condominiums, over 37,000 square feet of office and retail space, and almost 20,000 square feet of amenity space. Elmwood has been incredibly popular with 80% sold currently, but they still have a great selection of junior one-bedroom all the way to three-bedroom homes remaining. Check out markon.ca slash Elmwood for more. And Matt, we are also excited about Sone House, Markon's newest community in West Coquitlam. With 165 homes ranging from junior one beds to three beds, Sone House offers the perfect West Coast aesthetic with a more nuanced Nordic-inspired design. Register today at markon.ca slash Sonehouse. That's S-O-E-N-H-A-U-S. Or you can learn more at markon.ca or follow them at Instagram at markonhomes. Markon, building for life. Hello? 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 This is the Vancouver Weather State Podcast. And welcome back to Vancouver Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Scalina. And I'm your other host, Matt Scalina. And Matt, today we've got Trevor Street, Managing Partner and CEO of the Partners Marketing Group. Yeah, and what the Partners Marketing Group is, is it's a project marketing firm. They operate out of the Tri-Cities. They have a project coming up in Langley that we're going to learn about as well. Uh, And they represent developers who are selling pre-sale construction. Right, right. So it's an excellent uh, interview, and Trevor's the first project marketer we've had on. So why now, Matt? Well, I mean, we Trevor's. Uh, we should have had him on before. I mean, he's he's done quite a few projects. But uh, why now? I mean, one word: pure West in New West, right? Like <laughs> right, the right. the presale market is still going like gangbusters. Um, I was out there on the weekend. We had our people interested in buying on Saturday. The queue was about a thousand people deep. I mean, access is everything. How to get a unit. Uh, there's so many questions, and Trevor's here to kind of demystify the process. Yeah, and people actually really don't understand how busy pre-sales are when you talk to them on a regular basis. And really, all you had to do was drive by Pure West on the weekend. I mean, yeah, it I mean, was man. So it's Bose has got two towers going up there. But honestly, it, over the weekend, there was a couple thousand people there. It hasn't even hit the public opening yet. This is kind of the VIP realtors bringing people through. I right. mean, it's it's still, that market is nuts. So what better time than to have Trevor come on, talk about pre-sales, project market, marketing, how to be successful when buying a pre-sale. And then also he gives us his market predictions for 2018 
and he gives us his predictions about the NDP uh, budget coming out this month. Yeah, and one thing about his market predictions, I mean, we've had all sorts of people talk about where the market's going. Right. Trevor's company is registering people interested in pre-sale construction every single day. So he's got his finger on the pulse of people interested in buying homes here in Vancouver. So it's a really interesting take. And he's talking to developers all the time and learning where they're going, the direction of the market, upcoming areas. You'll, you'll want to stay tuned for this. Yeah, for sure. Also, guys, head over to our website, VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com. It's totally revamped. It's not like anything you've ever seen in the Vancouver real estate market. It yeah. is an on-the-ground news website. Yeah, that's it. And we're doing exactly what we've been trying to do with the podcast on our website. Right. We're bringing you the news and updates every single day, but from industry insiders. So it's on the ground news. It's not filtered through 10 different sources and potentially people that don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> Absolutely. And and actually, if you want, while you're there, sign up for our newsletter. It is phenomenal. You're going to get tips and tricks from industry experts. You're going to get market updates. You're going to get news and so much more. And deal of the all, month. Deal don't of forget the, month. the deal of the oh, month. Oh yeah, deal of the month is the best. But also check out our resources and we'll talk more about that at the end of the show. So without further ado, here's our interview with Trevor Street. Enjoy guys. Okay, so we're here with Trevor Street. Principal at the Partners Marketing Group. How you doing, Trevor? I'm doing great, but how you doing? Good, good. Thanks for coming in. Yeah, and you're in the thank studio. You. Oh, thanks, thanks for taking in the, the time. studio. This oh. is the first person in the studio in a while. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, great. So maybe we can start, Trevor. Can you just tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? Well, I'm the principal of the Partners Marketing Group. Uh, we're a company that specializes in 21st century marketing to get multifamily new developments sold in suburban areas. So that's what we specialize in. Um, we don't do Vancouver, Burnaby, Richmond kind of thing. We're out in Langley, Maple Ridge, Port Coquitlam, the kind of uh, tougher, more challenging markets. And I've seen some of my competitors using social media, using online marketing as kind of a, uh, a side note. Uh, that for us is our bread and butter. The kind of basis of what we do is social media. So Great. that's a little bit about me and um, a little bit about the Partners Marketing Group. And you were a realtor before. I mean, you're still a realtor, but so before realtor. you were a project marketer, yeah. you were, uh, you know, just like one of us. Yeah, I was. Uh, I've been a licensed realtor in Greater Vancouver since 2005. Took two years off in between there uh, during that time. But aside from that, yeah, I was. I was. I started out as a regular resale realtor, 20 years old knocking on 100 doors a day um, and slowly um, uh, transitioned over into this. So, so Trevor, I met you at a, a hockey game, and <laughs> you didn't mention this, but you were in the military. This was one of the more interesting parts of the conversation we had was you were in the Canadian military, potentially in the Marines, or you were thinking about it at one point? Um, I was thinking about transferring. I was My uncle lives in the United States, so I thought it would be a um, a, a good place to go to uh, if I wanted to become a professional soldier, I was I was a volunteer soldier in, in the Army Reserve, and um, I considered the transition over um, if I was going to become a full time professional soldier uh, to go to the United States Marines or go or go to the regular Army here. After enough time in the reserves and you know, spending time overseas, I decided that that wasn't what I wanted to do with my life, and uh, so continued with this. Where were Just you overseas? To, I was in Afghanistan. Wow. Yeah. Just a quick follow-up question. Uh, can you break Braden's arm? And how quickly? <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, 
Maybe, maybe if I threw him down the stairs to Machu Picchu that I climbed to get to his house today. Stairs are the nicest part of the house. <laughs> um, so, so Trevor, the pre-sale market plays a very active and sensational role in the stories people tell about Metro Vancouver's crazy housing market right now. Yeah. Why are pre-sales so popular and what does the media and the general public get wrong about the pre-sale market? I think pre-sales are popular for, you know, a number of reasons. One, I mean, it is, if you're buying a stratified property, it is the only real way to get into, uh, to get into the market, to get a brand new home. There's just really no standing inventory whatsoever um, with respect to actual completed new condos and new townhomes. So if you want something brand new, that is the route that you're going in Greater Vancouver. In my mind, it's the absolute best safest investment that you're going to find, especially if you're buying in a suburban area like Langley or Maple Ridge, um, because it there, there's so much room for growth there. And it is an area where, you know, if in one to two years time, your life had changed and you decided that, you know, that wasn't going to be the home for you between the time that you signed the contract to buy it and, this, and the time that, you, that it was built, um, you know, you're going to be able to rent the property out and it's going to be able to uh, provide good cash flow and for the most part, cover itself. Right. And uh, so. yeah, we, we do hear that a lot from the people mm -hmm. that we're speaking with about pre-sales like that is the, um, that is a big motivator for, uh, for people who are looking at pre-sales. Yeah. And you mentioned the room for growth and, and the fact that you guys are suburban. Yeah. I wonder at this point, it's a hard question for any realtor when people are asking us like, what's yeah. happening next? Yes. And, uh, and obviously uh, we want to see growth there anyway for our clients who are purchasing now. We want to mm -hmm. believe that the growth is coming. But do you feel like the wave that pushed out from the center of Vancouver and that hit these suburban areas, are you still riding that wave up? What's the feeling on the ground when you're out there constantly? That's where, uh, that's where, that's where you are. What, what do you think about that? I, I think the fundamentals are still there and I think there's still uh, a lot of room for growth. Um, you know, before we came here today, we, we have a, a chief data analyst on our, on our team. And uh, I asked her to pull uh, Canada's immigration numbers. And, um, you know, we're talking Trudeau's target immigration numbers for this year, 849 people mm. a day. Wow. So when you wake up tomorrow morning, there'll be 849 more people in Canada. And when you wake up on Friday there'll be another 849 people here. Right. And that trend is continuing. In fact, he's, they're pushing the numbers up. And they need to live somewhere. Yeah, they need to live somewhere and they want to live in Vancouver. They want to live in Toronto, yeah. well, right? <clears throat> so, well, and one of the things I think we've seen in the last year is people chasing affordability, right? Like it seems like Surrey's markets exploded, yeah, totally. uh, the Tri-Cities and yeah. uh, all the way out to Maple Ridge. Um, that seems to me to be one of the major growth areas in, in large part because of pricing. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And the areas that we target, the ones that we like to work in are also municipalities that are very favorable to new development. Right. right? Um, so Port Coquitlam, for example, Port Coquitlam made one of the best decisions um, that I've seen any municipality make is that they did a blanket rezone of the entire downtown core of Port Coquitlam. And, I, and I, for the people that are listening, there's a difference between official community plan and a rezone. So an official community plan is what determines what you can rezone something into. You can't just take a bunch of houses in the middle of the Lynn Valley and rezone it into high rise. You know, that, that's not what's in the official community plan. Um, but when you want to build something that is in line with the official community plan in most municipalities, it still takes longer to get approval to do that than it does to actually build the product. Mm -hmm. 
Whereas if a property has already been blanket rezoned, that is what the use is. So when I sell these sites in Port Coquitlam, all I have to do is, all the developers are doing is really submitting for development permit. So yeah. the process Where is a the lot, process a lot is quicker. We're shaving literally 18 months off the development 18 process. 18 months. Yeah. Wow. In wow. some cases longer, right? Wow. And so, you know, those are the areas that, that uh, we're going to see a lot more growth. Langley Township, you know, they have these um, huge tracts of land that you're seeing applications now for, you know, you're not seeing these little boutique buildings like we're seeing in infill areas. We're seeing applications for 100, 200, 600. Polygon has a, a site for 600 condominiums um, in Langley Township. Um, Langley City is another area we really love because, of the, frankly, the, the mayor, council, everybody in, the, in um, their planning building department is, is just, they're super fast. You know, they, they want projects to be viable and they want, they want stuff to work. And they've been, they've been fantastic with every project we work with there. Yeah. Excellent. So I just have two questions. One is circling back around. You, you mentioned in the opening question of tell us about yourself that you work just specifically out in, you know, the Tri-Cities and, and even further out. You don't focus on Vancouver at all. Yeah. Is there a reason? Like, did you grow up out there? Or? I, grew up, I, I grew up in the Tri-Cities. I grew up in Port Coquitlam. And is that a reason why you focus specifically out there or... Um, well, I mean, I think that if you're running a new company, the Partners Marketing Group is newer than some of my competitors. Um, I think that you're gonna you're gonna target the areas that are that are tougher, the areas where the markets are tougher, right? And uh, you know, we've seen a very brisk market in these suburban areas recently, but that hasn't always been the case. Right. I mean, I remember marketing a development in Port Coquitlam, and I was cold calling rental buildings to see if people had given any thoughts to purchasing a presale, and we were doing a deposit layaway program so they could put in a couple grand and then pay off their minimum down payment over time. Um, and so, you know, when you can show that, listen, we can produce in these areas, that was our means of getting our foot in the door. And, you know, our, our business has grown exponentially since then. Yeah, yeah, sure. and those were different times. Those, yeah, and a lot of people don't remember yeah. those days. I remember, the, I remember those days as well when yeah. you know when you could go into a sales center and you were the only one in there walking around. You could negotiate on the terms of the contract. You'd yeah. walk around um, to three or four display centers, and they all had units. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Do you think those days will ever come back, Trevor? Um, I think that there needs to be some. Uh, very, very large restructuring of the way the local government act works. So the local government act is uh, outside of Vancouver, Vancouver, I think it's called the Vancouver Community Charter or something like that. But in uh, the suburban areas, creation of new housing is governed by, governed by the local government act. That needs to be substantially restructured. And, um, you know, you look at some of these municipalities, and I go back to Port Coquitlam again, like the mayor, council, planning, building, engineering of Port Coquitlam, Every single step of the way, all of those people are unbelievably fantastic. But the way the Local Government Act is structured, it's, it's not conducive to the creation of the supply levels that we need here. Mm-hmm. It just isn't, right? You know, you're talking uh, like just like a lot of old English law, first reading, second reading, third reading, public hearing, fourth reading, two hearings of the Smart Growth Committee, and two probably two internal reviews by staff, development permit, building permit. It's, there's just too much there when, uh, you know, the, the, a democratic process could be followed and it could be much more streamlined. Reforming uh, approvals and permitting processes, basically. Exactly. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. 
So Trevor, is there a like a typical buyer profile for the projects in the Tri-Cities? Like who's buying? Mostly young first-time buyers is who we're targeting. We track all of our algorithms online, and that's probably one of the key benefits to using the system that we do using social media. Um, we can tell who's clicking in which city, who's registering, how much money it's costing per registrant per city. And what we're seeing undeniably is that... Um, it's local people. We're only advertising in the lower mainland. We're not advertising anywhere else. And it, it's local people that are end users that just want to get into the market. What about investors? Do, do the rents kind of line up with the purchase prices? Yeah. We'll, we'll see the mom and pop investors as well. Yeah. Right? I mean, it, in my mind, buying a pre sale condo in a suburban area. It's just, you can't lose. I mean, even if something did change with the market, the rent's going to pay the carrying costs. I mean, you're just hanging on to it for longer. Yeah, I, I was actually yeah. astonished. I was out in uh, the Tri-Cities recently with a client of mine from the U.S., and we yeah. just drove out there to see it, just partly because um, he was thinking, you know, Chilliwack, Squamish um, yeah. areas. And when we were at Chilliwack, the rents that they were talking about that you can get now for condos, for houses, and, and the same for Maple Ridge and all over it. Yeah. They've really, I, I was under the impression that they were a lot lower and they've really crept up to almost close to Vancouver rates. There is, I mean, if you look at the same product for purchase in Vancouver versus a suburban area like Port Coquitlam, it's like half the price. Right. Right. It is unbelievable how di- the, the difference. But if you look at the rent. It's not half the rent. It's not anywhere <laughs> near it. It's not anywhere near it. And, you know, we're everybody sitting at this table is a licensed realtor. We're used to t- dealing in properties for sale. But, I mean, man, I, the last time I had a vacancy on one of my rentals, you know, I, I put it up with some nice photos, put it on Craigslist. After 20 minutes, I phoned, um, I phoned Allie, who was our team administrator at the time, 20 minutes. And I said, take the ad down. <laughs> I said, take the ad down. I, I couldn't make an outgoing phone call. I put my cell phone number on there. And I couldn't make an outgoing phone call on my cell phone because the phone would just keep ringing and ringing. And when I was on the phone with one person, another another call would come in. And and, and, and you're a project marketer selling pre-sales yeah. in the lower mainland yeah. right now. And that's when you were busiest. That's yeah. busiest. That was just, well, I don't usually publish that number. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I hadn't had a vacancy on one of my rentals in well over a year. And, um, and, and it's the same thing. And we're seeing it's like it's they say a one percent vacancy rate, right? You know, it's uh, I, I'm certainly seeing that feedback out there for so, sure. So yeah. you're it sounds like you're drinking the Kool Aid. You're investing in in the Tri Cities as well. I'm investing in further east. So further east. because I'm trying to build a large portfolio of rental, well, I'm building a large portfolio of rentals. Um, they all have to stand on their own two feet. So one can't be required to subsidize the other, mm-hmm. right? So um, I'm looking to areas like Maple Ridge, Langley City, all of my rentals that are actually rented right now. Some of them are still in the pre-sale stage, but all of my rentals that are rented right now are in Abbotsford, mm. right? Because they, they have to cash flow or won't buy it. And are you buying condos or detached? For me, condos. Condos. Condos is where you get the cash flow from. To me, it, it has to cash flow. Right. If, it, if it has to be subsidized, then I, I, I won't do it. Um, if you're someone that's just going to buy one or two condominiums as rental properties that's your goal and that's not a big deal i mean putting you know 200 dollars a month into a rental uh to you know even it out you're gonna get a lot more out of 200 dollars a month uh feeding a feeding a rental 200 dollars a month over five years than you are putting you know 
$200 a month into a 6 or 7% per annum RRSP. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. yeah. Right. I think I did the math for somebody. I think at the end of the year, they, uh, at 7% per annum, it was something they would have made like $208 or something, putting $200 a month into uh, an RRSP. <laughs> so I, 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 you know, we know he has a crystal ball, but I think your $200 a month is going to do a lot better in the, um, in the real estate market, better, better spent, yeah. lower, yeah. <laughs> the lower mainland for sure. Yeah. Calvi doesn't know have a crystal ball, but yeah. Yeah. So we were talking when I, when we were at this uh, hockey game, Trevor, about foreign buyers. Yeah. Um, and you know, in the media, the pre-sale market now is targeted, which you work exclusively is targeted as a place where foreign buyers are, you know, driving up the, the demand, driving up the prices, uh, speculating, assigning units before, completion um you know you you work outside of vancouver but what are your thoughts on that is that is that an accurate portrayal uh, absolutely not and um i i think premier horgan has has the right idea on this is that he's, he's moved away from this neat little square box that we want to pin this problem on and what it is is uh, there is no legal term for foreign buyer what it is is non-resident as defined by the income tax act right. of canada um and Last year, we did 458 pre-sales, 458 sales, pardon me, um, in and around the suburban areas that we target. 11 of them were non-residents. Oh, wow. And we're required to track the residency status of every single purchaser and corporation that buys. So and that's a, wow, highly local market. It's, yeah, so the, that, that is, is just not, it's not accurate um, reading on what's happening now, getting back to what I was saying about Premier Horgan, um, and, uh, actually one of our, one of our Port Coquitlam city councillors was talking about foreign capital coming into the marketplace. That is absolutely something that's happening. Absolutely something that's happening. There's, like I said, 849 people that are going to move to Canada today. Yeah. So, I don't, and I don't want to come off as, um, as, anti-immigrant or anything, anything like that. I don't think you are. Um, the, I, pinning the blame on immigration is, is, is a terrible way to go. I mean, that's like, that's like me blaming my wife for not ordering enough pizza when I didn't tell her half the office is coming over for Super Bowl. Oh, and by the way, honey, if you're listening, you need to order some more pizza because half the office is coming over for Super Bowl. Right? That, 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 that's insane, right? It, um, you know, I, I firmly believe that uh, immigration is adding a lot to our country and a lot to our culture. And um, I'd like to see it continue. But, right. you know, we need to have policies in place that are realistic. Okay, maybe switching gears here, Trevor. Uh, you talked about the difficulty of selling projects in the past. Obviously, the last three, four years, you know, marketing pre-sales has been more about who gets the units uh, than actually trying to sell people into the project. We have a lot of listeners that that are looking to jump the queue or, or at least get a unit. Any advice to those folks? Um, if I were you guys, what I would do is is simply make yourselves known to the people that are marketing the development. And if that means having your, your realtor um, getting in touch with them or you yourself, just um, making sure they know you're there. So the the biggest thing that we're trying to do when we start sales, whether it's appointment style, whether it's like grand opening, doors open, is we're trying to hit the developers and new construction target for their bank. So a lot of people don't know this, but in most cases, you need to hit a certain number of pre-sales in order for the bank to start giving you money to build this building, 
right? And so we're trying to hit that as soon as possible. You know, these developers are paying thousands and thousands of dollars every month. Is it in, almost always 70% or is there a lot of variation? It's all over the map. It would depend on the size of the loan. Um, in, in suburban areas, I would ex more in urban areas, I would think that the number would be higher because of the, the cost of construction and the size of the developments, right? So, but that's that's what we're trying to hit in most cases. So, um, because of the Real Estate Development Marketing Act, where we're required under law, regardless of whether a buyer wants it or needs it, we're required under law to give people a seven-day right of rescission. So, seven days where they can walk away for any reason they see fit. And as I mentioned, even if the buyer doesn't need it or doesn't want it, we still have to give it to them. Um, what we're trying to do is we're trying to get those first sales locked up with people that we know are serious, right? Because I've seen developments where, you know, after your initial week of sales, 20, 30% of those sales rescind, right? And then you're right back to trying to generate that big push again. Right. So that would be the biggest thing would just be to make yourself known. I mean, your money's as good as anybody else's. Right. And, just, we just need to know you're serious. And, and are there strategies to try and gauge whether people are serious? Like how do you, you know, people walking in off the street, how? Um, there's not really any specific way. I mean, what we're looking for, what our, my head of sales, Melissa, is looking at is she's looking at how much communication she's having with these folks. Like, you know, mm -hmm. like she says to me, like, Trevor, when we have our sales meeting, she says, Trevor, like, I have all of these people on my short list. Like, they are hot to trot. They're ready to rock, right? And, yeah, if we're doing an appointment style, those people that we know are guaranteed sales that know a lot about the development that want to that go in, you know, we're we're gonna we're gonna be calling those people first. Um, partnering with a reputable realtor as well is gonna go a long way. If it's a if it's a name that we recognize, uh, particularly a name where we know they're familiar with the laws around new construction, that's going to be something that's gonna go a long way for us as well, right? So definitely, it makes me think. I mean, yeah, a reputable realtor who has a proven track record likely is a big yeah. thing. And you can imagine, I mean, there's always a, it, there's a, there's a system with pre-sales mm -hmm. where sometimes you see buyers say, well, no, I'm not going to give a deposit at this time and not following orders <laughs> necessarily or asking maybe kind of the wrong kind of questions yeah. that could make you stand out for the wrong reason. So you would imagine that if you're really interested, make yourself known and then also make sure that you're kind of hitting all the points of, you know, timelines and, and, and a, Order, right? I, I think you're exactly right. And we had um, what we did was uh, for one of our recent developments, we did the big email blast to the database that says we're accepting appointments. It's first come, first serve. Let us know uh, if you want in. And we're just going to, you know, book people, you know, in, in order of when we get a hold of them. And um, we got an email from uh, uh, this human. And. Uh, <laughs> She said, yeah, we said, we said the appointments start Wednesday, you know, we'll bring, and uh, in the big email blast, and she said, and uh, she replied to the email, and she said, uh, you know, I want to come in, and we said, okay, well, you know, we'll get you in 9 a.m., Wednesday's full, but we'll get you in 9 a.m. Thursday, and she sent us this torrent of an email saying how, talking about how it wasn't fair, how she replied right away, and I politely emailed her back. I don't think you understand how these systems work. Our email system, it, it doesn't send all the emails at once, it sends them in a queue, Huh. Right, you, you're going to just you're going to go to everybody's junk mail if you have a system that is going to try to 
email 2,000 people at once. It's just going to immediately get flagged to spam. So it goes in a queue. So you didn't receive the email first. You probably received it an hour after everybody everybody else did. But, you know, we've got a lot of great product here. And she replied something else nasty. And, um, yeah, she didn't get to buy a condo. <laughs> I thought, okay, you know what? If, if she's going to be this much of a challenge, I've got, you know, 100 other great people we can work with. Yeah. You know? Right. <laughs> so. what, what, the interesting thing about pre-sales, I think, is it's not necessarily a lack of transparency, but it, it seems like it's so it's demonized right now in the press. Uh, a lot of people, I'm on a Facebook group that, that is constantly talking about pre-sales uh, at, in a negative light. Yeah. Um, you're, you're hanging with the bears on Facebook. Yeah, yeah. I'm, in a, I'm in a group <laughs> people that are very upset about the market yeah. more generally, but yeah. uh, but pre-sales figures prominently. And I think listening to that, it just makes me think you're you're doing the best you can. There's there's a system in place, you know, mm-hmm. kind of the squeaky wheel gets the grease, but there's a logic to the way it works. But people's minds go elsewhere, right? Like she's presumably thinking you've marketed half the building to Hong Kong or something else. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I, and I don't know what she's thinking. Is she maybe thinking that we're, we've marketed half the building to Hong Kong, which would be insane? Why would I sell to somebody on the other side of the world, spend all the money, all the time? to sell something to somebody that we cannot sue, we cannot go after, like good luck finding the guy if he defaults, when there's an active and very vibrant market here, that would right. be, that yeah. would, that'd just be weird. Why would you do that? <laughs> and and I, right? I, yeah. Like it's like, it'd be like going, be like uh, driving from Poco to Vancouver to get a McDonald's hamburger when there's a McDonald's at the end of your street. Right, like it, right. You know what I mean? The, the money is the same. It just, right. why would I take more risk? Um, so, I mean, th- there may be that component, um, d- to be honest with you, you know, I just don't know. I mean, as realtors, we don't tend to think about the 99 people that were fantastic to deal with. We yeah. tend to think of the one guy point, that was point. kind of, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. so yeah. And I, and I, I can't speak to what my, my competitor's methodology is. Sure. Um, I can say that, you know, this market will not last forever. Um, and the real estate community the realtors in our community that are helping us sell these projects, they do have long memories. And I, I do believe that some of my competitors are burning some bridges right now. Mm-hmm. And because I'm, I'm based in a resale office, I see it. Right. Right. And I see it. And I tell you, when we, when we go back to a normal market conditions, whether that's two years, three years, five years, 10 years down the road, you know, they're, they see a, a partner's marketing group site and they see a X site um, they know they're going to be dealt with fairly when they bring their clients to my sites, right? Yeah. Um, and personally, I, I feel like I'm, I'm I'm doing a better job representing my sellers as well, um, because the, the consumers remember the sellers as well. And and I don't want to get into a, a poor realtor uh, conversation here, yeah. but at the same time, I don't think I don't think people realize how challenging it is to be a project marketing company. Um, just from the perspective of you have you know five thousand people register, yeah. you have two hundred units to sell or or less. People are going to be angry, and you're going to have a lot of people angry at where they fell in the pecking order. Then you've got all these realtors. You know, we were over fourteen thousand realtors in Greater Vancouver yeah. who are trying to leverage their relationship with the development company. It it's a lot of moving parts, and yeah. it's really tough to get it right. So it's it's <laughs> you're constantly kind of on you know, that that. Yeah, rope, right? exactly, and and yes, I I have been the certainly been the subject of um, you know a few angry letters and phone calls and that kind of thing. But 
You know, I think that we need to remember that a my job is, my job as a project marketer, just like your job as a real as realtors representing sellers, your job isn't to be fair. You right. have to be ethical, but ethical is different from fair, right? And my job is to represent my clients' best interests at all times, and that is a very strict legal principle that governs our profession, right? Right? Just like when you guys are representing a seller. Um, I'm not obligated to be fair, right? Mm. This is private property, right? This isn't public property. It's not a, a tax sale or something like that. This is private property that we're selling. Yeah, uh, We're not discriminating against any protected class of citizens here, right? right. right? So, no, no I, I, um, I'm representing my client's best interest when we're doing that. And, um, you know... It, if you if you're a consumer that is upset with the pre-sale process, then um, don't attack me. Don't attack my developers. Really think about the core issue here, which is of course housing supply. If we had a, a balanced market, um, you know you wouldn't be feeling this pinch. This, these market conditions wouldn't be wouldn't exist, uh, right? Mm-hmm. That are that are creating the way that we market these developments, right? So, very good point. No. Uh, yeah, Trevor, I was also wondering, uh, the NDP is coming out with its housing policy uh, this month. Do you mm-hmm. have any guesses on uh, what that's going to bring to the pre-sale market? Is there going to be a special attention paid, do you think? I, I think that there will be. Um, the remarks that we've seen out of Premier Horkin and you know, the NDP, kind of the major players there with respect to housing, uh, we've seen talk about speculation um, and we've seen talk about, you know, the, the wild west of pre-sales. Um, I wish my job was as exciting as, <laughs> as they make it out to be, right? Um, but to be frank, uh, I, I think there's a difference between understanding economics and understanding a market. So if all you understood was economics, but you didn't know anything about the market for professional hockey, you would think the professional hockey players were paid next to nothing. Because there's a lot more people that want to play professional hockey than there are spots on professional teams. Now, because we understand a little bit about the market as consumers, we know that no one is going to pay $120 a ticket to go watch me and another uh, and me and 15 other out of shape suburban dads lose 60 nothing to the Calgary Flames. <laughs> right? You got to have good players. I, <laughs> You've got to have a good functioning team in order to be profitable. We understand a little bit about the market, but as consumers, we don't understand what goes into trade negotiations, drafts, recruiting, no trade clauses. I can't even tell you, I don't even know what I don't know about the market for professional hockey, right? I don't think that, and no disrespect to um, you know our premier and his cabinet, but I, I don't think that you know they're going to come out and say, "Listen, we talked to 100 top realtors, we talked to 100 of the top developers, we talked to 100 of the top property managers, and we really studied the way the market is working, and that's how we've crafted our policy." I, I personally, I, I think that it, it's it's going to be much more populist simplified band-aid solution on the basis of an exchange of, um, of liberty for security. So what that exchange of liberty for security uh, looks like, whether it's our freedom of contract, whether it's our property rights, privacy rights, in exchange for housing security has yet to be shown. But I don't think they're going to address the fundamental issues that we're seeing. Well, we'll see what happens. 
And uh, maybe just a final question before we wrap, Trevor. We're still in uh, Q1 right now. Mm-hmm. Any predictions for the market in 2018? I think that we're going to see affordability continue to be degraded. Um, I think that, you know, as I said at the beginning of this program, we've talked about a couple of times, There is a, the world does business in U.S. dollars, right? And we're seeing a flourishing U.S. economy. And as much as I hate to give any credit to... Um, He who shall not be named. named. (laughs) Um, As much as I hate to give any any, uh, credit to Hutch, and I don't really think it's to his credit anyways, but anyways, um, we're seeing a flourishing U.S. economy right now. Um, uh, The world does business in U.S. dollars. So as we see a gap grow between the Canadian dollar and the U.S. dollar, you know, we're going to see growth here. And um, I think it it was a couple of years back when we saw a huge jump in the Canadian dollar and prices went up here um, almost respectively, the Canadian dollar dropped by ten percent, and we saw a huge gain in prices by ten percent. That wasn't it, it. Wasn't an actual gain. It was just the way that it was just our metrics of it, yeah. right? So yeah, that was late twenty fourteen, right? The, yeah. the oil yeah. prices crashed. Yeah. the Canadian yeah. dollar went down, and the market immediately responded exactly, exactly the way right. You're and about. but I mean, you talk about foreign capital. Well, the vast majority of my st- my stocks and bonds. I'm a Canadian born citizen. The vast majority of my stocks and bonds are in U.S. companies or they're in Canadian companies that are primarily active in U.S. markets, right? So this idea that we're going to police foreign capital coming into our economy and the idea that the same people that can't keep drugs out of prisons are going to do it is insane. <laughs> and uh, you guys are laughing. But, no, that's a good uh, point. <laughs> but, I, but I mean, you're, you're talking about a highly identifiable substance like a narcotic, that cannot be kept away from a small portion of the population that are that in is, cells <laughs> that are in the most secure buildings in the country that have basically no rights, right? And now you're going to take a highly untraceable substance like capital and keep that out of what is the one of the largest marketplaces. Like everybody has to participate in the housing market. You need somewhere to live. That is, the actors within this economy are people that have a plethora of rights. I just, I, I, I just, I don't think it's practical. I, I think that the best thing to do would be to take measures uh, with regards to supply first. Let's get back to a functioning market, and then look at what we can do from there. But for the time being, for 2018, you see prices. I see prices continue to go up. I'm still buying. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So we got this segment, a uh, quick segment called the five wire, five quick questions about Vancouver. Can you stick around for that? <laughs> sure. <laughs> so uh, first question, favorite neighborhood in Vancouver? Metro Vancouver. Metro Vancouver. Oh, do you want to do Vancouver? We're doing Vancouver. Vancouver. Okay, Vancouver proper has to be Gastown. Gastown. Has to be Gastown. Yeah. Favorite bar or restaurant in Vancouver proper? In proper. <laughs> We've established that. Yeah. Well, I don't drink, so bar is out. Um, actually, you know what? I would still have to say, and uh, people are going to lose their minds when I say this, but I, I have to say the Camby. Wow. <laughs> that is, that a, is a first. That is a first. Every Australian backpacker. Every ass. 
<laughs> I mean, they still got that. I mean, there's just, there's just so much story there. There's the yeah. tunnels that run under the hostel. Yeah. You go in there for a bite to eat. There's people from all over the world. The building is like 100 yeah. years old. You have right? a craft beer. You have a headache for three days. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's been actually about 20 years, I think, since I've been, I, been uh, there for a long time. But uh, <laughs> I've had some good times at that bar. That's for sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, that, uh, now, keep... I. I have to express to the people listening, my palate for Vancouver dining is, uh, you know, with uh, two kids and one on the way at home. We, my <laughs> wife and I don't make it out to Vancouver that often. So, but, you know, in terms of just a fun place to go and, you know, taking in the, you know, the old architect, the old kind of feel of the pub that hasn't exactly been renovated over the last hundred years. So, right. <laughs> and the fence running down the middle of it. Is that still in there, do you think? Yeah. Because of the two different liquor laws or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. So The smoking side. The smoking <laughs> side. Yeah, it's like a peeing section in a swimming pool. Yeah, like, yeah. come on, guys. Yeah. Um, so, uh, downtown Penthouse or Westside Mansion? Penthouse, all the way. Downtown the views, penthouse. right? You walked everything for sure. That and I don't really know where the west side is. <laughs> <laughs> so where do you take somebody from out of town first place? The Cabby. <laughs> they're no, already I would, there. I would you're already there, right? <laughs> uh no, I would I would I would have to say, absolutely have to say the seawall. Yeah. Right? When you get old, when um you first get in Stanley Park and you turn right and then you're walking along and you can see the old uh the old navy base there yeah. and Never gets old. Yeah. yeah. All right. And last question, Trevor. Platoon or Full Metal Jacket? Oh, nice. <laughs> oh, it's got to be Full Metal Jacket. Got to be. Got to be. Got to be. This is yeah. my Hands rifle. Down. This is my gun. Yeah. Hands um, down, for sure. Right, Gunnery Fred. Sergeant Hartman. He's the, that guy is the real deal. He's he, he's the real deal. Wrote a lot of his own lines. Wow. Was really? a real ex, yeah, was ex, ex-Marine Corps. Really? Um, and and yeah. being oh. in the military, like, is that, do you have a sense of, is it like boot camp? Did you go through something similar to that? Or? Um, yeah, they're not allowed to beat us anymore um, <laughs> like they did in the, in the movie. With soap I mean, in the towels? <laughs> no, I just mean like the... Actually institutionalized. <laughs> um, you know, they, they have to teach you how to deal with intimidation. And if, and if the instructors aren't, then they're, they're, they're not doing their job in my mind. So... Yeah, a lot of it was uh, fairly similar. I, you know, it, it doesn't show how much time you actually spend cleaning stuff. That's for sure. <laughs> There's a movie I want to see, right? <laughs> yeah, no, I, I remember scrubbing scrubbing the back of a toilet or something, and uh, when I was. Um, uh, doing my soldier qualifications and I said to the guy beside me I said they should put this in the recruiting ads <laughs> <laughs> right on well maybe we'll leave it there thanks yeah. so much Trevor Street for coming in that was uh, fantastic and Trevor yeah, how, how can uh, people find out more about uh, the Partners Marketing Group partnersmarketinggroup.com excellent appreciate your time thank you guys thanks, thanks for Trevor. having me So there you have it, folks, our discussion with Trevor Street from the Partners Marketing Group. Man, I had a lot of fun with that interview. That was uh, that was great, and I learned a lot. No kidding. I mean, yeah, he's he's an impressive guy. He actually came down to the studio, which was which was a lot of fun. That was it was great. <laughs> yeah, really good time having Trevor on. And uh, Matt, what was your biggest takeaway? Well, I think my biggest takeaway is uh, you know in a market like this where there's so much demand for presale, you know you have to really be prepared. 
You have to be prepared and you have to kind of play by the rules. And it's not that, you know, I mean, people find this, especially if it's your first time, it's really overwhelming to learn that you need to bring a check. You have to be ready. There's going to be about 10 minutes for you to actually pick the unit and another 10 minutes for you to write up the contract. It all sounds terrifying. But the reason that they're doing this is they're trying to weed out the people that aren't serious and they're trying to make sure that everybody gets an opportunity. Unfortunately, with the market the way it is, there's a lot of time constraints. So that, like, like Trevor said, the best thing that you can do is you can take it serious as a buyer and you can be there and be prepared. And unfortunately, you have to operate on the developer's terms. But in this market, it's the only way to get a unit. That's the nature of the business, right? Absolutely. So Matt, uh, what else do we got? Well, we got our website, VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com. I mean, we went over some of the new features, which are which are many. Uh, but what we should talk about is the old features that are that tried and true. Yeah, the stuff that's still over there, like the resources, like the best buying resources, like private client services. If you're not using private client services, you're standing still while the rest of us are power walking by. You get realtor level information, updates 36 to 72 hours before public MLS. You also get sold prices so you can monitor the market. And Matt, what about HomeSpotter? HomeSpotter is an app that we're using as well. You can sign up and get the mobile app. I mean, it has augmented reality, which we've heard so much about. Neither of us know what it is still, but But it's very impressive. It's impressive. very useful. More useful for me is the fact that, uh, you know, it has all the information that PCS has, but it's on a very user-friendly interface for, for your sure. phone. And uh, and you can just go around the lower mainland and look point at any at, point at buildings, any any neighborhood, and you'll see all the listings. Yeah, it's for sure, it's really interesting. And also, um, we really appreciate. We're almost at 130 reviews now. 128, um, I think. 128. So we're, we're plus a Google review recently, which was yeah. Nice. Well, we really appreciate. Shout out to uh, Mike Jeff Jesperson for that. And there's uh, been a no another one after that. Oh, well, shout out see. to whoever that was as well. I. I now I feel bad. Yeah. But anyways, we're, we're, uh, we really appreciate the reviews. The best compliment that you can give us other than getting in touch is giving us a review on iTunes or on Google um, or wherever you listen to your podcast. We love to hear from you. Or just get in touch. Matt, how can people get in touch with you? They can get in touch with me at 778-847-2854 or matt at vancouverrealestatepodcast.com. Or you can try me at 778-866-4574 or adam at vancouverrealestatepodcast.com. And uh, Mr. Brady D? Braden at vancouverrealestatepodcast.com. And that's with a Y, and that Google review was by Jim Smith. Jim so Smith, thank that you sounds so like much. a fake name. It isn't. He's That's got you, a long. Matt. He's got a long That's number. He has a number of reviews. A number uh, of reviews. Okay. Okay. Great. Most of them are on things that I uh, like to review. But okay. Great. <laughs> well. Anyways, thanks, Jim Smith. So have a great week, guys, and we'll see you next Wednesday. Yeah. Take care. Here you are, all equally worthless, and my orders are to weed out all non-hackers who do not pack the gear to serve in my beloved car. Do you maggots understand that? Sir. Yes, sir. Both I can't hear you. Sir, yes, sir. Two thousand faces for radio. Subscribe today. Hey everyone, 
Pardon the interruption. We just want to take a quick minute to thank the following sponsors who make this show possible. We want to take a minute to tell you about Holy House, a nonprofit organization that provides community building programs and tenant support services to low-income seniors, veterans, families, and vulnerable residents in the downtown east side and across the lower mainland. Melissa from our team has been volunteering at Holy House. Melissa, what's been your experience? Honestly, it's been so fulfilling just to spend a few hours a week in the community and watch how the staff really transforms these vulnerable communities from the inside out, starting with just small things, right? Playing games, drinking coffee, having some simple conversations that you wouldn't necessarily think are super fulfilling. And you come out just feeling like you've really made an impact and connected with the community. And you've been to multiple buildings, but you're playing games, drinking coffee. Yeah. You know, serving food sometimes. And you made some friends along the way. And I've made some friends along the way. It's really helped me be more present, actually, in those moments of just, you know, realizing how simple life can be to make an impact, right? Fantastic. And if you want to learn more, you can definitely check out Jenny Conkin, co-founder of Holy House, who is a past guest fan favorite on the show, or head over to holyhouse.ca where you can donate or volunteer. And they're looking for both donations and they definitely like volunteers. That's holyhouse.ca. Vancouver needs your help. Be part of the solution. We are also sponsored by Oakland Realty. This is our real estate brokerage, best brokerage in the city, hands down. If you are in the industry, a new agent, an aspiring agent, somebody just looking to make a change, new culture, new energy, new resources, head over to oakland.com slash join, type in VRP 2020. That's oakland.com slash join, type in VRP 2020. Not only do you get to meet Michael Morgan and the gang, the big wigs over at Oakland, you get a huge incentive for first going to oakland.com slash join, typing in VRP 2020. <laughs> 